Welcome to the Arena Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Look at today, um, we get to serve, and so with these bags, please take one, fill it up, and bring the food in. They'll either go to people that we know here in Belper, or they'll go out to Ilkeston or some of the other campuses. But we get a chance to do that to serve our community. So please do take um, one of the bags. So, we come across the years to pieces of scripture uh, that really challenge us. We get to, not I have to, I should do, I must do, I've been asked to, there's no one else to do, I feel so guilty that I will do. We get to. It's a choice of heart that we get a chance to serve our king and our community and each other. And so, the word for the year uh, is... We get to, and we've got a little board here, which you can't see because I'm standing in front of it. We get to. And the piece of scripture that goes along with that, the zeal of your house will consume me, from John 2.17. It's, it's the, the passion of Jesus that wanted to see his kingdom come. And we pray it often in the Lord's Prayer. And, um, and that's what we're going to really be looking over the next few weeks. And today we're going to look at, we get to, gather. And so you're here. You had a choice to be here or not this morning. And you chose to be here. A good choice. Not because I'm preaching or because... Because it's gathering together that's so important. And, uh, and we're so thankful. Thankful we've got uh, Ruben with us. A little new hammer joining our congregation. Um, <laughs> I'll keep saying it, and one day it might actually happen, but, but great to see you both, and uh, congratulations, and, and we, we love having you with us. But they chose to be here, and uh, how old? Five days? A week? My goodness, he's old already. Um, but, you know, it'd be so easy not to, and there's so many good reasons not to do so many things, and today we're going to look at some of those over the 33 years I've been in ministry, there's been loads of times where I thought, oh, blimey, do we have to go out again? You know, you just get in and it's cold and, it's, and, and you kind of can get very much easily into that, do I have to go again? What's the point? Goodness, no one will miss me. And, and we go through that. But we've got to change that to realise we get to do this. It's our choice because we want to. And that's the things we're trying to get over. One of my, my friends, John Nightingale, who's going to be retiring in March, and he's run a very large counselling service for over 40 years in, in uh, Northampton. And during our years, we kind of mentored each other through our years. And uh, he said to me early on, he said, I want to give you permission always to challenge me. Am I doing this because I have to? Or am I doing this because it's God's call on my life and I want to? And so often when we're in ministry or we're doing things, it's so easy to drop into, I have to. I'm expected to. And he wanted me to continue to challenge, and we had that challenge to each other, that we would never get there because we love to. So, of course, with the advent of social media and all this stuff over the last few years, it's been great that we've had online stuff. And it's been really, really a good servant to us. But 
it's not the be and end all of things. Now it's more efficient, it's more cost effective, business likes it to be remotely working. But for every plus, there's always a cost. And Mother Teresa said early on, uh, the curse of the Western world will be loneliness. And of course the cost to being remote is we don't meet. The cost to doing things that are quite easy to us means that we don't get to do community. We don't get to do church together. And so whilst we've got one side that is good that we can do those things, the other side is we were meant to be together. You need me and I need you. That's how God put us together. For whatever season that that is, it's not by coincidence. God brought you for a reason and a season. And for those things, we need each other because we're a body and we grow. We're a family and we need to understand. That's why we gather because we need to be together. And so one of the things that's really quite important to me, Acts 2.42, is something that when I became a young minister, someone prophesied over my life, Acts 2.42. And I might have told you, it's not the sexist piece of scripture. It's not everybody else was getting you kind of, you're going to win the world and you go and do things. But um, it really was just a very simple piece of scripture and then someone came and confirmed it by saying you're going to be the glue that sticks things together now as a young minister you think you're going to change the world and you're going to preach to millions of people so when someone says that to you it doesn't bring out everything in you but more and more I've understood the principles and values of Acts 2.42 and this is what it says all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching to fellowship, to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Acts 4 goes on to do that. We're not going to read it. And Acts 5 goes on to talk about this collection of people, this gathering of people that had the ability and the freedom to do that. Because across our world, there's not always that freedom. The underground church is still growing, but in many, many nations, you're not allowed to do what we're doing today. Freely come in and share in Christ and share in each other's goodwill and, and all the things that happen. And um, for us, sometimes we take things for granted and we become very familiar with the things that we're not meant to be. And so we're going to look at a few things today. And when I was going through this, you know, on the backdrop of this story, it's on the backdrop of Pentecost. The Spirit's been poured out. Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, preaches probably one of the most incredibly evangelistic messages. 3,000 people came to faith, baptised. What a great start to a church plant. 
You know, we're a church plant here. You know, 3,000 people. What, you know, be in the gardens, in the street, all down the road. What fantastic. But this was a backdrop to, to the Acts 2, what the church was going to look like and should look like. And, of course, we are understanding some of the things we're given, but we're not given it all because we have to understand our communities. And so this shaping, I'm just going to put some things up of what the, the gathered church looks like and what God says he will do when we are doing what we should do. So the gathered church is a devoted church to the word, a devoted church to fellowship, a devoted church to hospitality, a devoted church to prayer, a reverent church, a sharing and caring church, a generous church, a worshipping church, a united church, a respected church, a growing church, a favoured church, a thanksgiving church, a praising church. And you can take a few more out of those if you want to because the list is incredible from Acts 2 and Acts 4. There's so much in there about what God intended this group of believers to do together, to influence. And this is what God says he will do. God says that his grace will powerfully be amongst us that his power was on them to preach with the anointing of signs and wonders. This is what God says he'll do. And the Lord added daily to those who are being saved. This is what he says he'll do if we do. You know, there is, a, there is something that we need to be doing rather than just expect God to do everything. God says he will but we need to do our part in it all. And so, in the Acts Church, which we get a glimpse of some of those things, we get to do certain things. And that's what we're going to look at today, just simply a few things. They were devoted. So devoted really means steadfastly gave themselves to, diligently gave themselves to the teaching. They made a decision to do something. And I want to kind of challenge us, really, of, with what we've said, why are you here this morning? Now, it can be a perfectly silly thing to say, but actually, we need just to ask ourselves, are you here because you think you should be here? Are you here because you ought to be here? Are you here, here because you disciplined you should be here and you do church on Sundays? Or are you here because you want to be here with your brothers and sisters, with your family, with those around us. Are you here for those reasons? Are you here to learn? Are you here to, to be a part of? Are you here to give, not just to take? Do you want to be involved or do you just want to turn up and go away? All those things are part of what the challenge to us as a gathered church is. We get to do this because we love one another. And I want to keep honing in to this love word because... Love is the most important thing that we have. It is the most powerful thing that we have. We love because we want to. It, it means that when we fall out, we don't keep falling out and hold a grudge forever. We choose to put it right. Some of us are very good at putting it right very quickly. Some of us are not and they get a kind of split lip. And, and, but that's fine because we're learning how to do this. 
But the fact is, all the things that we talk about is because we love. And when we begin to understand this, this powerful statement that God so loved the world and that because of this people will see the love in the church is because it's genuine. It's not made up. It's not forced. It's not because we have to. It's because we want to. And so in the first church, they were devoted. They set themselves out to do these things. And they diligently gave themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now we know it's the teaching of Jesus that we're talking about because that was passed down. We have the 66 canons of scriptures now, the Bible, which we diligently allow ourselves to, to, be, to get into. This word might live in us. Do you know that when the, the, the young um, Jews were growing up, the one thing that they did was on their teaching boards, they put honey uh, on the boards, which they had to kind of lick, and, and it was meant to remind them this word of God is sweet and it needs to be in you. And so by the time that they were in the second stage, they knew the Torah off by heart. Every part of it. And so they would then go on further on to study and understand. But part of what they were doing was learning that this word is incredible for us. And so Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful and we could stop there this word of God is alive and it's powerful it's working in your life if you will give yourself to it if you will devote yourself to it if you will diligently study it if you will allow God to speak to you by the Holy Spirit this word is active and it's powerful it, it does what it says it's going to do and so we see it's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The things you didn't think anybody else knew, God does. The Holy Spirit does. You're no surprise to God. He knows you. He knows what's going on in you. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what's going on inside your head. And actually, he's not put off by all that. And so we come to the area of honesty, why we gather together. We're not confusing or upsetting God. He knows. What he's bringing us to is a place of honesty with ourselves. Why well, ask you the question, why are you here? Because we've got to start being honest if we're going to be gathered and we're going to be true and we're going to meet together in true unity and love. Because that's what we're called to do. That's what the world sees. Not a bunch of people that just turn up, do church and go away, but a group of people that love to be together, that actually want to serve each other, want the best for each other, want to see them getting on, want everything, and when things are not going well, want to be around them. But equally, they weren't just devoted to the word, but they were devoted to prayer. Often when people read Acts 2.42, they stop at the word. And it doesn't say that, so they were devoted to prayer as well they were devoted to conversation with God they were they were devoted to letting God be part of their day every day early in the morning talking to him sharing with him being a part of what he's doing asking him what he wants for us today setting us our day out on him rather than us now we've got appointments we've got jobs we've got all the things I know that but if you start your day with God 
the day will become an incredible day. If you start it with you, it might not be just so easy. And so they devoted themselves to prayer, to sharing meals, the Lord's Supper. But it wasn't just the Lord's Supper, it was sharing meals. It was doing life together. And we know food is important. We talk about it a lot. I was talking to Andy about it this morning. We know that when you share meals together, you get to know each other. And the important thing is, is we need to learn to start buddying up. We can't, we can't separate these church life into nice little compartments. I do work, I do home, I do my sport, I do my gym. We are together and we share life together. Now, if you're going to the gym, I'm not going to share with you. You need to understand that early on, it's not going to happen. I will do coffee while you're doing gym, and I'll cheer you on, but I'm not doing it with you. So, but, you know, we've compartmentalized Christianity nicely to kind of fit into work and play and church and friends and stuff. And it's not a lifestyle. It becomes a compartmentalized thing that we do. The gathered church was meant to be gathering. Here, small groups, meeting together, in coffee shops, being a part of each other's lives. Not overly a part of each other's lives, because nothing worse for that, is it? You know, I think the Bible says in Proverbs, like cold water, when you turn up and you're not feeling great in the morning. Um, Megan goes to, 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 to uni, and uh, they're not great in the morning, her friends. And the Bible says that if you go up with a real cheery smile and say, what a great day, it's like pouring cold water on them. You are not going to get a great response. No matter how great you think you are, they are not ready for that early in the morning. But we get up with God in the mornings. And some of us get up better than others. And they devoted themselves to fellowship, to cornelia, to holding something in common, to live in work in harmony with each other. Listen, there's no place for greed and grumbling and jealousy and unforgiveness. There's no place in that for it. We have to stop it. It's the destroyer of fellowship. When we get into those places where our ego overtakes us, where jealousy takes away from us what we were called to be, where we can prefer one another, where we grumble and we moan all the time about this wasn't right, that wasn't right. Have opinions, speak to people but don't go away with it. Let's keep short records. Let's sort things out. Let's be who we were meant to be. Kingdom people. That's why we're different to the world. That's why we're trying to show something to the world about how we live. Paul says in Philippians 2.2, in the New Living Translation, they make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose for Jesus. When you're in a group and you're working as a team, it can be really hard, particularly if they're not believers, because you have a way of doing things and you, you think it should be simple and then someone says, oh, I don't quite agree with that, perhaps we could do it this way, and it's not godly and it's not right and it's not going to do it. And, but you, you've got to try and work with that. It's not the easiest thing to be one mind. And neither is it today with all these individuals that are so uniquely special and all have different ways of thinking and working things out. Some are analytical. Some like to plan. Some are spontaneous. 
who like just to do it and uh, not think of what we should do, who just get out and go at it. We're all so different, but we're joined together because we complement each other. And if you get this, it's so simple. We can only complement each other by bringing what we don't have. It's no good having 10 big toes because we've got one already. And so we need to bring what God gave you, not what he gave me. And while we work together, we work in harmony because we're working for each other, with each other, and God's working through us. And so this, this fellowship, this joining, this gathering is so incredible. And that's how God intended it to be. And they were a witness. God worked in and through the apostles, attesting signs and wonders. Of course, we understand it wasn't the apostles healing, it was God working through them. But isn't this the wonder that when you preach the gospel, the Bible says signs and wonders will accompany the preaching of the word. That he will show up. If you are going to talk about Jesus, the Holy Spirit will be there. Because he loves to talk about Jesus. That's what he loves to do. And so when we have that, he will always show up. And God says, if you're doing these things and you're preaching the good news and you're sharing that with people and you're living like that, I'm going to show up. And guess what? Signs and wonders happen. Not because we conjure it up or we think we've got a formula to do it. No, because we do the simple things that we're asked to do and God says, I like that. And he comes alongside us. And of course, Mark... Mark 16, 15 to 80 says that commission is given to us and you can read that if you want to. We're not going to read it this morning. But it says there was a great awe over the church. In the Greek word it means phobos. And it means to be in awe of the divinity and the greatness and the majesty of God. And we sang it this morning. It's an incredible, just to realise God is working in our midst. God is working in my life. There's an incredible healthy awe that we just realise the greatness of God. And that's what they experienced. It was a reverent awe that they just saw God as he truly is. Creator of heaven and earth. They just glimpsed him. And it brought in them something in their heart that wasn't glibly just taking, we come here and we're going to do God and go home. No, it was an awe that God is in the house. The maker of heaven and earth. The one that can make things that are not are. The one that calls the impossible possible. The one that speaks into situations that were dead that come alive. That's the God we serve. And so there was this awe over them. And this healthy fear that came to them. And of course when we meet together, how can we not feel the same? How can we sit there impartial? When we worship and praise God, how can we be impartial to the God of the creator of the, of the whole world? Because it draws something from us. And this led to great joy and generosity. They gave in abundance. They gave in abundance to those around them, to those that did not have, those that they were serving. In our community, we do these food bags, not because it's a good idea, because we want to serve. We do community work. Why? Because we want to reach out to people in need. Rich and poor. High and low. We want to reach out to people in loads of different ways. 
And of course, one way is that we can do it through food. So, the Bible doesn't say they became a great commune. So he's not asking you to give away your house or your car or your money or everything you've got. He's not asking you that. But what if he did? And why not? What if he did? Because it tends to tell us what's really important to us. In this great scheme of things, we think the most important thing is to have a great house, great car. You've got to answer these questions. But what if God said, I just want you to live in faith? Wouldn't that be a challenge? It would to me. Because sometimes it's, it's not the fact that God's asking us, it's the will to do what he asks us to do. That's obedience, which Jeanette said earlier. It's, it's the fact is, it's quite easy to say, yes, I'll fulfill all the things you're asking me, until it comes with a cost. And then we have to think, hmm, I'm not so sure about that now. Let's have another conversation about this. I'm not saying he's going to ask you to give away your house or your car, although we almost got Roy's car the other day because he left his keys in his door and we could have had a brand new car. That was kind of God's gift to us and we thought, thank you, Lord. But he came home, sadly. Um, so they were a witness to those around. And that's what witnesses to the world around us is the fact that we are doing it because we get to and because we can and because we want to. We want to serve, we want to love, we want to give because we can. And we might not have loads, but we can with what we've got given to us. And so the, the first church were preaching the gospel, they were sharing, they were enjoying each other's company. They were in the temple courts witnessing and they were, they were worshipping and they were doing the things they did. And it's a great opportunity the first Acts church have and we have, but round the corner came persecution. We need to take the opportunity God gives us. Please don't keep putting things off. I'll do it another day, I'll do it whenever, you know, I don't need to do it today. Why not? Why not today? If God's asking you, why put it off till tomorrow? I think Huckleberry Finn said, don't put off till tomorrow what you can put off forever. And that tends to be a lot of our take on it. I'll do it sometime else, other than now. And so we need to take what God's given us and share it with those around us in your world. That's how we reach our world your workplace, your friends, your family. I've got those things to do as well. And this is what the Bible says. By this everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. If you love another this way, the world will see that in a place this was being said to, in a place of slavery, in a place of poverty, the church, not the government, reached out and reached the needs of people. They went and did what they did because they saw a need, and so do we, practically loving and serving our communities and each other. And so it says, they were worshippers. They worshipped God. Of course, we need to understand worshipping isn't singing songs. It's an act of worship myself. My lifestyle is an act of worship to God. Now, of course, when we see God moving, we worship him and we praise him. Worship means that we worship him lightly and wonderfully and reverently, and we praise him means we bounce around a lot. I mean, that's the way I was taught, the difference between praise and worship. And uh, I don't bounce along. I never bounce along lots, you know. If people say we're going to bounce, I'm not. 
I'm not going to go to the gym, so you know I'm not going to bounce. I will reverently worship God. But of course, worship in its true sense means a lifestyle commitment to submitting and surrendering myself to God. And that's what I do in them. And this is what this says in Acts. They worship together at the temple each day. Each day. Each day they worshipped. Well, you might think they didn't have a job to do. No, they found time to do those things. They met in homes to share the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Now, if you're going to share your meal, don't be stingy. Don't get all kind of, oh, flipping it, they ate loads. We had a lovely, oh, they ate all the cake, flipping it, we've got no cake left. I'm not going to invite them again. Invite them because it's the, what we want to do, share with one another. And they did it with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. You didn't conjure that up. God gave you freedom. He gave you grace. He gave you goodwill amongst the people. He gave you favour. He put those things on your life. Why? Because he wants to continually follow you with goodness in all, of, all the things of your life. He wants you to succeed. This is one of the worst pieces of scripture that I have on my heart all the time. And some days it's not easy. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Rejoice always. Now, there's not days where I want to rejoice, always. But I'm, I'm told, in good days and in bad days, rejoice. Pray continually. Some days it's easier to pray when the bad days are easier to pray. And give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is why gathered church comes together. This is why we share. This is why we choose to be together. This is why we do church. This is why we do life together. Because in the power of being together, something incredible begins to happen. God begins to move amongst us. When we do this, God adds to our number. I don't mean to say we don't do our bit, but he adds to us. So we're going to finish on Hebrews 10, 23 to 25. It says this. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let me say to someone this morning, God can be trusted to keep his promise. You might not have seen it, you might be waiting on it, but he will be faithful to his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another in acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now, the day of his return is drawing near. Let's keep on gathering because that's what God wants us to be. Let's find more times when we can gather. Let's gather with, the, with our friends who might not know Jesus. Let's not confine this just to ourselves. Let's begin this to be a lifestyle of gathering, of seeing we get to do this. We get to do this. And so let's hold this in our heart and let's continue to move forward. Let's pray. This morning, Lord, I pray.